This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And welcome back to the Clear Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Michael, day two of the NFL drafts in the books, and the Jets started it off with a bit of a curveball, trading up for a running back, taking Brees Hall, who it sounded like it sounded like they were going to try to trade up for him at the end of, of night one to go get him. This is a player the Jets loved. We'll start with him. We'll, we'll talk about uh, the other selection they made, uh, what it means, and then preview day three. But let's just start with Brees Hall. Uh, what was your initial reaction uh, when you saw that the Jets at first had traded up? Who did you think they were going to go for? And then when you saw it was a running back, uh, how did you take it? Well, I think for sure both of us were rooting for Nicobe Dean at that spot. I mean, he's a player. I said it on last night's podcast. Um, I thought he was in the early stages of the draft process, a top 10 to 15 talent. I love his game and many aspects of his profile. So I was all aboard for him Um, when they traded up to get in front of the Texans who did have a linebacker need. I thought for sure that's who they're going to get, but they didn't take him. And as it turns out, Dean didn't go for another 50 or so picks, I believe. So uh, it seems like there's injury concerns with him. So obviously we were off base on that one. Uh, but when we heard it was Brees Hall, I was definitely caught off guard a little bit. I, I think it was something I was entertaining because he definitely seemed like the consensus best player available. Um, even I think for many picks, not many picks, maybe five, six or so picks before that, you could have even argued he was the best player available. Um but I was definitely surprised because I think, um, you know, they had, they have bigger needs to fill, and that's still an early enough pick to where it's like, okay, this guy can play a role. He can come in and start. Um, so, you know, later in the draft, uh, I don't think need matters as much because you just want to take the best talent. These guys aren't necessarily being drafted to start. But uh, th- this pick was still early enough to where I thought you could get a starting linebacker, starting D tackle. Uh, like Travis Jones was a player I really liked, who also, like Dean, ended up going much later than we thought. Um, so I was surprised, but, you know, the talent is – the value in terms of the overall talent for this spot is is very good. Like, he is the type – he's on par with those running back prospects who years ago would get drafted top five, top ten. The Saquon Barkley's, Todd Gurley's, Jonathan Taylor. He is – on that level, you look at his. John, I mean, Jonathan match. Taylor was a second round pick, but yeah, right. But I'm again, he's a couple of years ago since running backs kind of stopped going right. more oh, high sorry, in the I draft. But um, but yeah, like you look at his analytics, his athletic profile, almost a perfect relative athletic score, nine point nine six. Um, his elusiveness numbers, his pass catching numbers, like um, 
NFL next gen stats has this sort of metric they put out for draft prospects, their overall draft score out of hundred. And he's a 99, which is equal to Barkley is equal to Taylor. Um, I think Najee Harris was on there as well. A lot of uh, Derek Henry was on there. Um, so he is that type of prospect. It's just that, you know, the league's kind of devalued running backs, which, you know, I agree with because it is, it, it definitely matters, but just, I think less so than any other offense or offensive or defensive position, just because of its reliance on outside factors, specifically O-line play. Um, so I think the league has caught on to that and that's why uh, running backs don't go as highly and we don't see them get paid as much in free agency. But uh, this is a player who I think, you know, a few years ago would, would be talked about like a Barkley type of prospect, but uh, running backs just don't get that talk anymore. So I was taken aback by it. I definitely, I, I'd be lying if I said I love the pick because I definitely, I, I, I'm on that train to where I think, you know, I'm, I'm a part of that group that thinks, you know, running backs, you know, maybe save that for day three, focus on your O-line first. Uh, it's a position we've seen a lot of day three hits. Uh, so I definitely do subscribe to that a little bit. Kind of wanted them to to go a, a, go in a different direction with a defensive starter, like a D-tackle, linebacker, safety. Um, knowing what we know now, in hindsight, with Travis Jones and Nicobe Dean's falls, um, probably safety was the way to go with the Jalen Petre, player like that. Um, but uh, with all that being said, the talent is is undeniable. He can be a star running back. And you put him next to Michael Carter, allow these guys to, you know, spell one another, give each other rest, run this committee backfield. Uh, they've complementary skill sets. I think Paul gives you long speed that Carter doesn't necessarily bring you um, a little bit more size and catch radius. So uh, it's definitely really exciting to add another potential top tier weapon to the offense. And you look at the depth yeah. that they have at all these skill positions now, how deep they're at receiver tight end, of course, with, the other addition we'll talk about and and now running back and the, the O-line it's, this is as talented as the Jets offense has been in a long time. Uh, so I love the talent, uh, not a huge fan of the positional value, but if he is that type of player where he's a you know, Jonathan Taylor level type of running back, uh, it definitely, I think it still can be worth it. Yeah. I think you're a little, I think you're a little too low on this, Michael. I, this reminds me of last year when, when they took Elijah Moore and obviously it's a different position, but I think the initial reaction is, Oh, well, this isn't an immediate need. Uh, and yeah, I mean, running backs aren't as sexy as they used to be. I think once you get outside of round one uh, where I think maybe you, you factor in a little bit of your team needs and maybe the positional values, once you get outside of round one, the, the rest of the draft is a complete crapshoot. Uh, and yeah, when you have a guy you have a round one grade on, who's a complete stud and you mentioned all the, the numbers that back it up. And like you said, 10 years ago, there's a top 15 pick in this draft. Um, it's just only in recent years where the NFL has devalued the running back position. I I'm excited with this pick. And like, yeah, I, I agree at the time. I think I thought they're going to trade up for Nicobe Dean. Um, but yeah, when you see how far he fell or how far Travis Jones fell, I mean, like who else could they have picked here that I think would have had the same impact? I mean, if you think Brees Hall is the next Jonathan Taylor or Alvin Kamara or, you know, pick your poison, any of the top Joe Mix and any of those top running backs, I don't think we're going to be complaining. And Michael Carter's a guy who's had some injury issues, but now it's like you get to pair him uh, with Michael Carter. 
uh, put it behind this offensive line and the Jets can have, a, you know, two great running backs. They can stay fresh. If one goes down, they're not going to be forced to, to throw in an Austin Walter. Uh, I just, I think I love this. I love this move. And, and I, I get that why you're hesitant to praise a running back. I'll put it this way. If they had traded up for him at the, the end of the first, I don't think I would have been as high about it, but to give up a fifth round pick, which I think they had, was that the, the Avery Williamson one? Is that what you're saying? That was the one in the Jermaine Johnson. Trade. Oh, okay. This so was, I, this was their own. Uh, okay. Fifth round pick. But, just to give you the to sense of the value, though, yes, yeah, when they moved it for Jermaine Johnson, the fifth round pick they gave up was the one that they traded Avery Williamson for. So a fifth rounder to move up two spots and go and get a guy that you have a round one grade on. And this is a guy that they were clearly super excited about. I'll put it like this. I think when September rolls around, I don't think you're going to be caring about the positional value of this draft pick at all. Uh, you get four years of a guy that you think is, you know, can come in immediately and put up top tier NFL running back numbers. Uh, I'm excited about this. I, I love Joe Douglas's last two drafts. His focus has been on building around Zach Wilson. It's exactly the the emphasis that that Sam Darnold didn't get. I guess he gave him a little bit uh, in, in 2020 with with Beckton and Mims trying to trying to build around Darnold, but uh, too little, too late there. But with Zach Wilson, I mean, Joe Douglas has surrounded him with uh, with a cocoon of talent on the offensive side of the football. Um, I'm, I'm excited with Brees Hall. It's hard not to, to, to watch his game film or his highlights. I'm not going to act like we watched too much of him because I think, yeah, we didn't think maybe running back was in the cards, but uh, when you see how excited Joe Douglas and everybody was to land him, uh, I'm not going to complain about that. And you get to pair him with Michael Carter. Um, I think the Jets have a really deadly running back duo here. Uh, and, and when you have great running backs like this, you're not going to be facing too many three and outs. You're going to be in better short yardage situations. How many times last year was, was Zach Wilson put in those second and nine situations uh, because they couldn't run the football. And I understand that uh, it got better as the year went on, the offensive line got better. And a lot of that is directly correlated to the offensive line, but you get back and back, you bring in Lake and Tomlinson, you bring in Brees Hall, you add two tight ends and the, the one they just drafted, who's a, who's a great blocker as well. The Jets are going to be able to impose their will like they haven't been able to you know, really since the Rex Ryan days. And that's what I'm expecting. And, and it's going to take a lot of pressure off of Zach Wilson. I love this pick. I don't think there's anybody else they could have picked. Um, knowing what we know now and how the board fell, that would have had me disjuiced about. Um, so I know you're a little lower on it, but I think you're going to come around in the next few months. And I know you love the player and it's just the positional value. But for me, once you get out of the first round, the positional value, especially since the Jets had three first round picks where they attacked cornerback, uh, edge, uh, and receiver, I think they can go and take the sexy, go and take the running back, you know, go and take the, the, the flashy pick who maybe isn't the, the best uh, positional value. That's kind of how I feel. Um, and, and I think, you know, I, as I said, I think when the season rolls around, uh, you, you might be a little bit more optimistic and, and you'll, you'll break out your, uh, your, your bootlegs of Brees Hall jersey in a few months. That's my prediction. I think you will own a, a Brees Hall jersey. Do you agree with that? Right. I, I'm wearing my Elijah Moore jersey right now, which uh, full disclaimer is not officially licensed NFL merchandise. It does come from overseas. Um, <laughs> so I, I agree with your prediction. That'll probably, that'll probably come true, but, um, but yeah, I, I think I agree for, I'm, I'm already coming around on it. Um, I think what's good for me is that I like when running backs are good at the stuff they can control. Like don't drop passes. He's good at that. He had one drop the past, each of the past two years. Um, he takes good care of the ball. Uh, his receiving is good. Like I said, uh, pass blocking seems to be pretty good as well. Like those are skills that I think are very important for running backs. And uh, that that's where he's going to be an upgrade for sure. Obviously in addition to everything else, but, um, uh, but yeah, it's definitely an exciting pick. I, I guess one counter argument I would make to what you were just saying is that they did trade up yesterday 
and give up that third round pick and um you know the second second rounder i mean i guess they just moved up to the late first but they did you know give up some value so they did maybe have a little less room for making this kind of pick with less picks to fill holes or fewer picks um so i guess that kind of makes me a little bit more skeptical but um but yeah i i don't think you can complain about the, the talent here Here's my counter to that. And this is something that maybe we we didn't want to admit because this was such a big draft for the Jets. Uh, and maybe the general media doesn't want to admit because, you know, there's a lot of, lot of content that comes out of the draft, all these debate shows and the draft itself and ad revenue and stuff. This wasn't a great draft class. Let's just be honest. And so the Jets got walked out of there with four first rounders in my eyes. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a deep draft and some, some GMs are going to earn their money with how they picked on day two. There's certainly going to be great players that went that maybe we don't we didn't even talk about or just flew under the, the radar. But for me, this wasn't the strongest draft class in the world. I like that Joe Douglas went and got the guys that they love. I mean, that's been their mission statement, at least the last two draft classes is go and get the guys that everybody in the room loves. And I think you get the sense with all four other picks that the room is really behind them. So I, I get what you're saying, but like when you already have three first round picks, um, you still have your thirds, you have two fourths. I mean, you, you, last year you had a boatload of picks. It's not like the Jets are in need of, of more young players. Uh, go and get the top guys and go and get the guys that you love. And I just love how he, he, he blends with Michael Carter. I love the, the identity that the Jets are forming in the offensive side of the football, that they're going to be able to run the ball. And look, yeah, Michael Carter, when her got injured, you're back throwing out Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson and Austin Walter. And I know it's like, okay, well, you can survive there. But it's like, yeah, it's a lot better, though, to not just survive, to be able to put out a, a guy like a Brees Hall, who, hell, may end up being starting over Michael Carter. My question to you is, uh, how do you think he, he meshes with Michael Carter when you look at their strengths and weaknesses? Um, because, you know, Michael Carter coming out of, in college, he's super successful pairing up with Javante Williams. Obviously, Williams is a different running back than Hall, but we've seen Carter – thrive in that change of pace role and we know that the jets really want to have a uh, don't want to just have a workhorse running back they want to have a room um and so bringing in Brees hall how do you think he matches up with what the jets are trying to do on offense and how do you think he pairs with with michael carter i think like you said the most important thing is to sort of have that committee approach which we know that the niners have used to a lot of success um you know just allows both guys to stay fresh be able to run hard throughout the game keep them healthy throughout the season, which, uh, you know, durability is a question mark with Michael Carter. As much as we love him, uh, he did have multiple absences last year. So something to keep in mind. Um, and then skill set wise, I think, like I mentioned earlier, having a home run hitter is big because Carter has a lot of great skills, but long speed is not one of them. Uh, I think he ran a four or five, four. Then obviously he's a smaller guy, so he's not a long strider. So Home run hitting is definitely not something he brings to the table. Um, we did see him get caught up to on a few of his longer runs last year, which isn't to say he can't still be great, but he's just not that guy who's going to hit, you know, 50, 60 yard runs. Uh, but Brees Hall can do that uh, with his long speed uh, and being a little bit of a longer strider. So I think he brings that ability. Um, but I think both guys are really elusive. They both came out of college with, very similar elite broken tackle numbers uh, and Carter maintained that in the NFL. So we'll see if uh, Hall can do the same. So uh, I think he brings you a little bit more size ability to run between the tackles. Uh, not that, not that Carter can't do that well for his size, but you know, I think you can definitely improve in that area versus, you know, I think serviceable is what you'd call Carter in that area. Um, but I think you have potentially two 
elite elusiveness guys in terms of broken tackles. Um, and I think that is perfect for the scheme because we know a lot of the running is to the outside and that's where they get isolated against defensive backs. Um, and that's where you have your opportunities to break tackles. And, you know, both these guys are great in those one-on-one situations. So uh, great fits for this outside zone-based running scheme with uh, their ability to break tackles in space. So um, definitely going to be interesting to see how they distribute the usage to start it out. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a, I like to pick. I do like to pick again. I, mean, I'm, I, I just don't like love it. I don't love it. I don't, I, I disagree. I don't, I don't understand the, the hesitancy here. I, I know I'm just he's not a running, running back, back fan. That's it. Yeah. But it's their fourth pick in the draft, Michael. It's not like he, they took him in top three. Like I'd get it. If they, if they traded up for him at the end of the, the first round, I get, I get, I guess I can hear what you're saying, but like, yeah. Okay. Could the Colts have still have had a good running game with Naheem Hines and Marlon Mack? Sure. But they had the best running game because they had Jonathan Taylor. And if you don't think Jonathan Taylor made a huge difference, you're lying. I, I get that that's the most replaceable position, but it's not like they took a fullback or a kicker or a punter. This is a guy that's going to touch the ball and hopefully get 10 touchdowns. You know, I, I don't know. I, I just feel, and, and what he brings as a receiver as well. I mean, you saw when, when Sam Darnold had uh, Christian McCaffrey at the beginning of the season, how much better he looked and how he was able to go find him on those dump offs and stuff. And Michael Carter can do that, but Brees Hall is a much better receiver. Uh, and he's a nice little safety valve for, for Zach Wilson. I like the pick offensive playmaker, scoring points, Put them behind this 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 offensive line. The Jets are, are forming an identity. I don't want to just sound like a, a used car salesman and, and and bumping everything that Joe Douglas does. But uh, and as I said, if they traded up from at the end of the first round with the, that contract and the fifth year option, I probably wouldn't have been as big of a fan of it. But moving up two spots, sacrificing a fifth, and getting a guy that you loved, who is one of the best players in this draft. Let's just be honest. It's just because he's a running back that he fell. I'm not going to complain. And then when you look at, when you zoom out and you're able to take in the fact that they got sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, and him, I mean, they walked into the draft with two first round picks. And in my eyes, they walked out with four first rounders. And I don't think you can complain. Um, we, we will obviously have many more discussions about Brees Hall this entire off season. I mean, how we have like four months of the off season to stretch, but uh, let's put a pin on him for now. And let's circle back to the second and final draft pick of the night. We, Michael, we, you and I were waiting on this Zoom call for hours, watching, you know, some of your uh, your heartthrobs go by and the Travis Jones, the Nicobe Deans, and eventually the Jets got to the to, to the podium. And you know what? They did exactly what I, uh, you know, what most Jets fans uh, want to hear. And that's, they announced somebody that Jets fans actually knew, uh, Jeremy Ruckert, who we actually did watch some film on months ago when the Jets signed two tight ends. I think we kind of assumed, okay, you can cross tight end off the list in the first two days of the draft. Um, New Long Island kid grew up a Jets fan. I really like this guy. I think he's a great fit. I think he's a great blocker. I think the Jets can get creative with his usage. And hell, we know the Jets are going to want to play a lot of 12 personnel. Um, you give them time to develop, but also it's like Zama's had some injury issues, and who knows, Conklin, you know, could get injured as well. Uh, if you want to run 12 personnel, and Uzama goes down, this prevents you from having to throw a Kenny Yabo out there. And there's no slander to Kenny Yabo. Actually, I like him. But going back to last year, having to play those Dan Browns and those Ryan Griffins, just take take the good players. Who cares about needs? Um, take the studs and the guys that everybody loves. And I, again, I think this is a good pick from the Jets. I mean, could they have gone with the safety or linebacker here? You know, I really liked. Uh, there, were, there were some prospects that I, defensive prospects that I liked, but I'm not going to act like, you can really get too nitpicky about the needs when you're picking 101. You know, I just don't think that the likelihood that you're going to land a starter here is very low. So you should just be trying to find the guys that you love and not trying to, to 
you know, go shopping for needs. Uh, Michael, when the, the Jeremy record pick was announced, you did, you did call it a little bit right before you did mention him. And I was like, ah, I don't know if they'd go tight end. I fell into that trap. I fall into it every year. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at ignoring the needs. Uh, but your reaction to the Jeremy record pick. Well, I, I agree with you on that completely. What you just said about the needs. It's like, we came into this off season and we were trying to put this philosophy in, like ignore the needs, look at the talent. And I think we've both been better this off season but we could still we could still improve in this area. I could have been more ready for Brees Hall. Um, I, I'm like you said, I was kind of onto this record pick. I was more so focused on Perry and Winfrey, still uh, out the there. defensive tackle, still out there. Um, but yeah, at this part of the draft, I don't think need matters. It's go get the best talent because the hit rate here is so low. So if you're reaching on talent to fill a hole, then you're just making an already low likelihood that much worse and you know so just take the best player available and i think that's what they did here with the position that they already spent a lot of money on to get two starters but um seems like they're still they like the player enough to go ahead and get them and and they did it was still a need in terms of depth because you know they're going to be playing two tight ends a lot so basically that third guy is the number one backup and Right now, it would have been Kenny Yeboa, Trevon Wesco, which, I mean, it's all right for depth, I guess. But I think you can get better and obviously add more youth and long-term potential um, for ho- hopefully potentially to become a replacement down the line uh, once Uzaman Conklin's contracts run out or, you know, if they disappoint and get released, which hopefully doesn't happen, but it could. Um, so, yeah, I think, like, we were looking at Rucker a lot earlier in the offseason I think he was a lot of people were mocking to the Jets. I definitely did in a few mocks. Um, but I think you're getting a guy here's not necessarily the highest upside player, but a good floor can probably come in, give you good depth. Obviously, has plenty of size at six, five and a half. Um, his drop rate, very solid in college, under four percent. So that's good. Uh that that's huge. I mean, drops are have been a huge weakness for their tight ends in recent years. Just too many easy passes not getting hauled in. And Ruckert's not going to drop those easy passes. Is he going to catch the ball while, while doing a backflip? Is he going to be Kyle Pitts? I don't think so, but he's also he's going to catch those passes in the flat with no problem, which Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, and all these other random tight ends they've had couldn't really do that effectively. So, so also record had that, that sick one-handed touchdown. It's not like he did. He did. He definitely does have some potential, but, um, but yeah, I think for the most part, you're getting a nice floor, good backup right away. And uh, we'll see what he can become down the line. Yeah. Especially, I mean, I know people are like, well, you know, I wish they took a linebacker or safety. It's like, well, last year, they didn't even have third-round picks. You go back to 2020, they took Ashton Davis and Jabari Zuniga, and that was at the beginning of the round. You know, just take the guys that you love. Don't reach for the need. And like you said, I think it actually was a bigger need than maybe we were considering because now that you mentioned it, it's like, yeah, okay, well, if they are trying to play a lot of 12 personnel and Uzama, who's had injury issues, it's like, all right, I guess we're throwing Kenny Yeboah and Trayvon Wesco out there. I am curious to see what the room exactly looks like, how they use – um Rucker do they try to give him some snaps in the backfield at all you know like they use Wesco I don't think so I probably think they keep him more in line I like him a lot as a blocker as well I think Conklin and Uzama are certainly uh, solid in that area but I think uh there's a chance that Rucker could come in and, and develop into their best blocking tight end um in his rookie season so that's exciting um yeah overall I mean I just have to say between him and Hall I mean those are two positions that maybe we didn't talk about enough 
Um, but I like that they're surrounding Zach Wilson while he's on his rookie contract with young playmakers that he can develop with. Um, the, the, this team got a lot better. They, I mean, they got a hell of a lot better after day one. I mean, that was an absolute home run. Uh, and I think they got a lot better today on day two. Uh, I think you saw, I think these are two picks that can really help contribute, not just this year, but, uh, but down the line as well. Uh, and, you know, when you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Perry and Winfrey there and how you don't want to just draft, you, you threw his name out and then you went on to talk about Rucker and how you don't want to just reach for need. When you look ahead to day three and look, Declan aren't going to protect. I mean, we obviously we know some of these players and there's some guys we like, but at this point it's like, you know, last year the Jets were taking guys that weren't even on draft boards. This is the chance for the, for the scouts to, to really shine. The Jets only have two fourth round picks. I don't, I don't want to, you know what? I mean, maybe they do just take their two guys in the fourth and just peace and, and wait until the undrafted free agent period. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me though, if they traded down, tried to pick up a fifth, try to, you know, try to stockpile more of these lottery picks on day three. Um, but a guy like Perry and Winfrey, the Jets have the sixth pick uh, of day three. Maybe he falls and, you know, maybe he doesn't fit the exact need what the Jets have uh, needing a, a run stuffing defensive tackle, but he clearly has the traits to develop into a very good pass rushing defensive tackle in the system. Hell, he won senior ball MVP playing in the system. Um, so he's a guy to keep an eye out for. It's like, okay, he doesn't necessarily fill an exact need, but hell, maybe a good Sheldon Rankins replacement, you know? Um, so I think those are the types of players you're looking for day three, uh, I would expect maybe the Jets to go and add a linebacker or a safety, maybe both, uh, depending on the trade downs. But again, it's not going to be position based. It's going to be or need based. It's going to be talent based. Who are the guys out there that the scouts really love? Um, and, and so, Michael, I guess when you look ahead to day three, uh, we'll grade the day two picks in a second. But when you look ahead to day three, is there anybody who catches your eye or any, you know, positions you're trying to target or philosophies? I mean, just your overall thoughts heading into the last day of the draft, because I think in my eyes, First two, first two days of, of this draft class couldn't have gone much better for Joe Douglas. So now day three, this is where the money's really made from the scouts, uh, for the scouts uh, to stand on the table and, and declare their loves for those, those uh, unheralded players. So how, how are you feeling heading into day three? Yeah, well, I think you mentioned Perry on Winfrey. I think he makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and in terms of the need discussion, he's actually a really interesting case here because you know, defensive tackle, obviously a need for the Jets right now. I think most people can agree, but uh, the way like his play style isn't necessarily a fit to what they need because when we think their D tackle need, we think fully replacement. We think, you know, run stopping ability, one technique and two eye technique. And he, he's not necessarily that he's a smaller D tackle at 290 pounds. And, and I said this earlier, it's always funny to call these guys small and they're 290, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, relative for a D tackle. Um, smaller guy, more explosive, athletic, pass rushing. Run defense numbers were very poor, but the pass rushing was really good. So not necessarily a fit for what they need, but in the fourth round, you could just take the best talent. Like you said, maybe he can replace Rankins or fill that role in the future. So talent-wise, I think Winfrey is one of the best bets here. And he also is um, on Daniel Jeremiah's big board, who obviously worked with Douglas as a scout with the Ravens uh, and has been on the money in terms of matching up with Douglas's pick so far. Um, Winfrey is the only player in his top 50 who's still left at number 49, actually higher. He's actually ranked higher uh, than Logan Hall, the first pick of the second round defensive tackle from Houston. So um, I like Winfrey quite a bit here at the top of the fourth round, um, but looking at some other guys, um, just scanning my spreadsheet here with all the, relative athletic score, uh, which includes all the athletic numbers for all the prospects, because we know 
Joe Douglas likes those guys. Um, although on day three, he's actually been more open to taking low athleticism guys who are team captains. So some guys like that you could look out for. Um, Jamari Salyer from Georgia fits that bill. Um, there are a couple other guys. Kobe Bryant, that's actually his name, uh, but it's spelled C-O-B-Y. That was, that was Sauce Gardner's uh, running mate. Cincinnati, yep, his running mate at Cincinnati. Um, so those are some guys who – might not be as athletic, but Joe Douglas likes to take a chance on those guys uh, here in the third day of the draft. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do here in terms of trading down because to not have any picks in the last three rounds is you know definitely something you don't see a lot. Um, so we'll see if they trade down or if they just go ahead and take these two picks because I think what we've seen so far is, like you said, this is not a great class, if we're being honest. And instead of stockpiling picks, we've actually seen the opposite from Douglas and he's gone and went out and got his guys, you know, stayed put at four and 10 trade up for Johnson trade up for hall uh, stayed put with the, uh, the next pick that they had. Um, so will he stick with that? Just make these two picks or will he try to stockpile a little bit? Yeah. I mean, and you say that and it's still like, well, the jets still picked five times and we're entering round four. So it's like, you know, that just shows you all the stockpiling of picks really paid off because the jets were able to move up and just go and get the right. guys that they, that they really love. Um, we, I, we've talked about it a lot. They're not going to draft for need, but if they were, you know, some of the other holes that are remaining on this roster, linebacker, safety, maybe a swing tackle, defensive tackle, uh, any guys in any of those positions, I know you mentioned some guys, but specifically the linebacker safety, I think that, the people who were, and this includes us, who were really saying, okay, well, if they're going to fill these needs in the draft, you know, a lot of the, a lot of times we were mocking linebacker safety in round two or round three. Any guys on day three at those spots, swing tackled, if anybody else um, that, that comes to mind um, when you look at, you know, those relative athletic floors, those team captains, um, or guys that they had experience at the senior bowl with. I mean, I, you threw Kobe Bryant out there. Another Cincinnati teammate to keep an eye on might be Darian Beavers, who the Jets coached at the senior bowl, another Cincinnati defender. Um, just, yeah. Any thoughts on, on if they do look at some of the, if they do want to fill any of these needs, um, or if there's any other ones that you think of, uh, who could potentially fill some of the last remaining holes. And obviously day three is not really an effective way to accomplish that, but, um, I'm stalling to give you time. So just pick up whenever you, I'm, I was ready to go. Uh, okay. I might, well, you're fit. You, you kind of looked like, Oh, let me scramble and find some names real quick, but go ahead. Sorry. I actually, I did need some time, so I appreciate it. But I, I was able to use it effectively and come up with a few answers here. So um, one guy who's interesting is uh, Damon Clark from LSU. And it might be a little bit early at the top of the fourth round because he's probably going to redshirt this year. Uh, I think he had a spinal cord contusion, something serious. But oh, the per- <laughs> but listen, listen, hear me out. The third day of the draft here, we're not – picking superstars necessarily um this production though at lsu not too far off from some of the top linebackers in this class from the deans of the world uh coverage numbers are really good run defense tackling pressure he's a lot of great numbers in production and his athleticism is uh very high 9.87 uh team captain so he's probably a guy who would go in the i would say maybe second round if not for the injury, which obviously is serious, but, um, you know, I think if they wanted to take a shot on a guy like that it would be interesting. Uh, Brandon Smith from Penn state, great athlete, uh, 9.97 relative athletic score. So, uh, so those are a couple guys to look at. Right. Um, but what are some of the other positions? Oh, safety. 
Um, looking at the safety board at this point, I mean, maybe they've, I mean, they got, they have joiner. Uh, I guess Ashton. Yeah. Looking at the safety board, it's definitely not that, not too intriguing in terms of safeties who are left. I think linebackers is there there anybody more interesting. Is there anybody they could take that you'd rather, I guess, be developing instead of an Ashton Davis or an Elijah Riley or Jason Pinnock? I mean, at this point, um, Man, you know, like it I was said, one thing. It was one thing to take like a Petrie or a Brisker, but at this right. point, it's like you're getting to the bottom of the barrel at safety. Yeah, I think the safety class. There was definitely a run on safeties today, second, third round. It's kind of barren there, but uh, look, I like linebacker, offensive tackle. I think there are some good options there. Um, Daniel Falele is still there. I don't think he's a Jets option because his athleticism is definitely not there. I think his athletic score is. Two point something, yeah, it's very low, uh, two point forty one. So don't think he's a Jets guy, with how athletic their offensive linemen are. Uh, but uh, def- does seem like a value here. Um, there are some other def- uh, offensive tackles: Rashid Walker from Penn State, Kellen Deesh, Arizona State, uh, who were kind of mocked a little bit earlier. So in some mocks, so I don't know. It's it, it'll be interesting to see where they go with these two picks. But I definitely expect them to maintain what we've seen so far. This has been a very best player available draft for the most part. Yeah. Uh, I, I would expect that to continue. All right. Two more questions for you. Uh, one, and I guess at the end of, of the draft, we'll go and give our individual grades for each, for each pick, but I guess, how are you feeling after day two? I mean, I, I don't want to hear it specific grades. We'll get into that, but just thoughts on, on the first two, two days for Joe Douglas, because the meat of the draft, the guys who are going to make impacts this year, They've all really been taken. I mean, obviously, some of these day three picks may end up playing. We saw that with both Michael Carter's and Brandon Eccles and whatnot. But, you know, the meat of, of this class is, is already in the books. How are you feeling heading into day three? Yeah, well, I was absolutely thrilled. But then they took a running back. Oh, now I hate on. this class. I absolutely hate it. I think Joe Douglas <laughs> should be fired immediately in spite of everything he's done. Taking a running back, unforgivable. Okay, you don't. You're not even going to try to qualify that joke. You're just going to leave that out there for. A few yeah, goals. I just want. I just want to leave it hang. Okay. Leave it. Leave it hanging there for you to sort of react to. Thank you. All right. I, I was totally kidding. I was totally kidding. And, and let me let me clarify in the Reese Hall pick. I do like it. I do like it. I'm just saying I don't absolutely love it. I think if he does go on to be that sort of player, you know, uh, I keep mentioning Taylor, but there are he does have very well, similar well, okay, systems. If he can be that sort of player, I think that justifies it. But if he's just like pretty good, then I'd probably rather go in another direction. But I still like the pick. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I love I love asking you a question and then immediately cutting you off because you, you bring up a good point to me. And you brought this up, I think, when we were talking, you know, through the, these rounds. You know, Sauce Gardner is a good example of a guy that you're fairly confident based of what he's put on, you know, right. his, his tape, his analytics, his measurables. Is it, there's a lot there that you're going to say, okay, this guy at the very least is going to be a damn good football player with this super high ceiling. I, don't you get the same sense from Brees Hall that it's not necessarily as much of a swing yeah. there? That I, I'm pretty confident. That's the thing with running backs. They're easily, they're easily replaceable, but they're also pretty easy to uh, to tell whether or not they're going to be good. There's not too much projection involved in running back as long as, as the offensive line holds up. You're pretty confident that the Jets are going to at least be getting a, a good running back in Brees Hall. So I don't know. I mean, I think you're a little low on this. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I think when Brees Hall is scoring touchdowns at MetLife Stadium this fall, you're not going to really care about the positional value. I mean, who would you have taken? Who would you have taken instead of him? Because it sounds like you like him, but you wouldn't have taken him there. So who would you have taken at 38? Keep in mind that. 
Well, I guess there was rumblings that the Texans may have taken uh, him. So maybe Petrie would have been available. But who, who would you have taken instead? Well, obviously. We're, we're going to remember this. We're going to remember this. We're going to follow the okay. careers of both these guys. Well, I mean, when it was on the clock, we were talking about Dean and Jones. But obviously, we uh, miscalculated there. Um, I guess I would say Petre would be the guy, you know, right. potential starting safety. So, all right, uh, would, would I do that now? I, I still don't know because looking at okay, the players, look, looking okay. at the guys who did get picked after, you know, Petre's there. But then is you know, yeah, Evketty, edge rusher, no, Gordon, corner, no, Mafe, edge, no, Kenneth Walker, absolutely not because he's not close to Brees Hall, um, Andrew Booth, corner, no, receiver, receiver, edge, edge. So I, I'm, I'm starting to warm up to it. I'm starting to well, warm up. Exactly. Okay. So you're saying Petrie is probably the best option. I'm not trying to come after you. I'm just trying to, to point the, put this into perspective. You think Petrie is the best option. Let's see in a year from now who had the better rookie season or who we're more confident about having, you know, being more likely to be a good NFL player. I'm significantly more confident that Brees Hall is going to be a, a good NFL player than I am in Petrie. Well, and well, I like I, Petrie. I, I agree with you. I, I just think the question is like, like put it this way, what do you think has more value? A seven out of ten safety or an eight out of ten running back? I think it's more likely that Brees Hall is going to be an eight or nine out of ten safety than it is that Petrie will be a seven out of ten safety. And then you factor in the, the difference. I, I just think it's like take the it's you get to day two of the draft in a shitty class. It's like just take the best players. It's not like they, they took him at top ten. They already took three guys ahead of him. It's not like they passed up, you know, a, a crucial need. At, it's like the Jets have holes, but it's not as, as dire as it's been in years past. I don't know. I, and it's, you know, running the football is going to be a main focus for this team. You're pairing up Michael Carter, the rookie quarterback. I don't know. I just feel like you're being kind of low on this. It's like, I'm definitely not going to hate on this pick. You know, if N'Kobe Dean had went the next pick, maybe I would agree with you a little bit that, you know, maybe they should have traded up and instead gotten N'Kobe Dean. But knowing what we know now, it's like, there's a reason he fell that far. Those medicals have to be really dire for him to fall 50 picks. Um, and Travis Jones, I like him a lot too, but, you know, run stuffing defensive tackle. I like his upside as a pass rusher, but, you know, he also didn't go off the board for another 30 or 40 picks. So it's like the two guys that maybe we would have liked and Petrie and Brisker were the other ones. It's like, I'm pretty confident that Brees Hall is going to be a good NFL player. This draft is a crapshoot. So take the guys that you love. Um, yeah, so I, I do. I do agree with you. Like what were you like with him and Gardner, I think, there are just so many boxes checked to where it feels very likely they're going to be good. And no one's a lock. Nobody is. But these two guys are about as close as you can get, I feel like, just in terms of, you know, both guys. Do they have the athleticism? Yes. Do they have the production? Yeah. Do they have the, you know, fundamentals on film? Yeah. And just all – are they durable? Are they young? Like every single box, it seems like they check. So – I'm very confident he's going to be good. I, I have no doubts about that. It's just about, for me personally, like, and something I think about a lot, and I kind of waffle on it, like how valuable is a running back in this, you know, in this game where, like, so much of what they do is dependent on other factors. The O-line, you know, is the quarterback a threat? Can he open, can he lighten up the box for you? Um, there are just a lot of different factors. So it's it, it's an interesting dilemma to think about, you know, how much of their you know, because they'll put up their fantasy numbers, but of those 1,500 yards a star running back puts up, how much of that is him? How much of it is the surroundings? Uh, it's a hard thing to figure how, out. But, but how I, many? I, but I, I am confident he's going to be good. So um, I, I do like the pick. The Jets take him, took him because they think he's a tier one running back. How many yards are the, the Colts have run for without Jonathan Taylor, but they still would have had the same offensive line? You know, that's kind of how I feel. And it's like, 
when when Brees Hall is out there in them stealth black uniforms and he, he breaks four tackles for a 50-yard touchdown run, you're telling me we're going to be caring about the positional value there? I'm not. I, I, I think we will be caring if Quincy Williams is still out there not knowing how to stop a screen or, you know, <laughs> LaMarcus Joyner, 32 years old. But not if Brees Hall's across the field. Not if Brees Hall's putting up, you know, 10 touchdowns a season, rushing for 1,500 yards. I mean, I, I don't know. I just uh... – I, I do have one counterpoint that I brought up to your – it's not Taylor exactly. But looking at the Browns, Nick Chubb missed a couple games last year. Dearness Johnson started for him. 22 carries, 146 yards, 6.6 yards per carry. And then 19 for 99, 5.2 yards per carry. And the two games he started and he's just a random undrafted guy. So, so. Uh, do you think they could replace Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara and Derrick Henry? And like, I- I see what you're saying. Like, obviously there's a lot of running backs that you can, you can mimic their production more so than other, you know, uh, positions, but there's still a top tier. There's still those Joe Mixons that are up there that are, that are going to, you know, put you over the edge. And that's what the Jets are looking for here. And you're paired him with Michael Carter and this, this entire offense. I don't know. I just, it's not like the Jets have a massive hole at running back. It's or offensive line. It's not like two years ago when they wouldn't spent for or three years ago when they went and spent for Le'Veon Bell and put him behind a you know, slapstick offensive line. It's like they have a pretty good offensive line, you know, especially run blocking when you get Beckton and Lincoln Tomlinson in there. So I don't know. I, I, I'm a lot higher on this pick than you are, uh, especially seeing how things fell with Dean and, and Travis Jones. I don't think I would change anything here. It sounds like you still might change something there. And I'm going to hold you to that. We'll, we'll, we'll see in a year. You see how Petrie's performing. I, 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 I don't, I, I don't, I still yeah. don't know if I would, because Shine like I wasn't, now. no, listen, like I wasn't <laughs> too high on Jalen Petre before. So I don't think I can, sit here and say that I would rather take him. Like he wasn't one of my favorite right. guys right. coming okay. into his day. I mean, looking at, look, I think you make a good point looking how it played out. Like, you know, I could say whatever I want about Dean or Jones, but I'm not a scout. I don't know their medicals. I don't know how they interviewed. I didn't watch 80 hours of their film. So <laughs> looking the way it played out, it's like, Oh, these guys aren't as good as I thought. Um, so looking at the guys that were talented enough to go in this range who probably were high in the jets board, like, other than Petre, it's all positions that they're absolutely not taking here. They're not taking another edge. Or I know we talked about positional need, but at this point in the draft, I don't think they're doubling up an edge corner receiver after already taking those positions in the first round. Um, so I don't think I would do any of that. I'm, I'm on board with it. I am on board with it. There we go. I, I bowled you into submission there. You bullied me. You did. <laughs> all right. Last question. Um, and maybe this is a topic maybe for a mailbag at the end of the draft, but I do want to talk about it for a second here. Uh, you know, you did a lot of work coming into this draft about the trends of Joe Douglas, and this will help preview day three about the trends of, of how he drafts with the guys with the high athletic scores and, and the, the, you know, guys who are team captains. And we kind of had some preconceived notions about who Joe Douglas was. And this goes back to before last year's draft. We, we were, we kept saying, you know, we're going to find out a lot about who Joe Douglas is as a GM. And we saw him trade to pray VT and we saw him take Elijah Moore and they landed Michael Carter. We're like, all right, so, you know, he's drafted offense. He was a little bit more aggressive than we, than we thought he might be. And then this draft took that to another extreme. Um, I guess, how have your, your notions of Joe Douglas as a GM changed if at all, uh, through the first few days of the draft and does it affect how you view him drafting day three you talked about do they just take the two guys at the top of the fourth or do they trade back i mean just you're, you're over midway through to, or you know, two-thirds of the way done with the draft how did your expectations of how joe douglas was as a drafter uh change over the weekend i think it changed a little bit some of the trends that i brought up um which which i definitely knew we were only looking at two drafts so it wasn't 
totally likely that it was a sign of things to come being only two drafts, especially with two different coaches. Um, but he did go away from some of those trends like Garrett Wilson, for example, uh, I'd mentioned him in one article as a guy who they'd be unlikely to pick based on his athleticism. Uh, his RAS wasn't great. It was only seven, uh, seven, seven, seven. So that was one of the lowest numbers among guys who, who went in the first round. Uh, obviously his 40 times good, but I think his, his vertical and his, uh, not his vertical. Uh, I think it was his shuttle that wasn't great. Um, so his RAS wasn't amazing and it was well lower than most of his uh, first and second and third round picks, uh, but he still went with him. So definitely bucked that trend a little bit. Um, other than that, I think it was definitely good to see him uh, for the first time. We, we definitely saw a different positional value here in the first round. It was good to see him go away from, you know, it was good to see him, like we talked about yesterday, not force like trenches. This still is what taken we do. One. Uh, still haven't taken a trench player yet. So uh, I guess unless you want to count tight end, that doesn't really count. Um, so yeah, no trench players yet, which I think is good because you want, you want to have a balance with team building. You want, you want to know what your philosophy is absolutely and uh, supplement it, but you also don't want to be, you know, so married to that to where it's like you're bypassing talent to, you know, take players who fit your scheme. You, you want to think about that, but you also want talent. So uh, like the sauce Gardner pick best player available take him I know cornerback is an a1 in this game compared to pass rusher but it's still very important so take the best player if it's a corner um, then same thing with taking Garrett Wilson projecting the run on receivers was going to happen taking him before that and realizing you could get edge later and I don't think they projected Johnson to fall that far but they were probably ready to maybe attack edge in the second round uh, if that didn't happen and they knew that, you know, I think it was a good projection by Douglas to see that receiver would have a bigger drop off if he passed on it than edge at number 10. And he did turn out to be right in, in a very surprising way. Um, and then today, I think as much as I've criticized the Brees Hall pick, I still like valuing talent above all. It, that's, that's definitely a pick you make with conviction based on your board to take a running back there and trade up for him. So Again, I like it, you know, just going, trusting your scouting and uh, balancing that need, talent, and uh, you know, scheme compatibility and philosophy, balancing all those things really well. So uh, this was def this definitely, and also trading up twice is definitely different compared to uh, first two drafts. First draft, a lot of trading down. Last year, we saw one big trade up in the first round, then a few trade downs. This year, we're two days in two trade-ups, none down. So Douglas has shown a lot of willingness to do different things, and I think that's what's great. He is now three drafts in. Pretty tough to figure out in terms of his trends. I think he's been open-minded and uh, you know willing to bend, do different things, uh, and balance all these different factors that we've talked about. So uh, I really like the, the balance that he's shown. I guess that'll do it for us, Michael. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, I know it's like 1230 your time. So go to bed. We have a big day tomorrow. Uh, even though the Jets only two, two picks so far, I, I, I kind of feel like they're going to trade back and add some more, uh, especially if, you know, Winfrey's gone, but you know what they passed a Winfrey. So maybe even with Winfrey on the board, I think, I think you, I would expect to see a trade back here, try to add as many lottery picks as possible um, and, and fill out the rest of the roster uh, and attack, you know, some of the holes, but 
as we said, Jets today took two guys they loved. Who cares really about the needs? I mean, you could find some of the needs there, but they, they took two guys they loved, and and, and I'm excited about it. I, I know, Michael, I, I think you're going to come around on it. I, I I'm really, excited. I know, you're, I know you okay. are, but... All right, you keep you keep acting like I'm saying that I despise this pick. I I like the pick. This is very exciting. It's just like in my brain, like trying to look at it logically. Like you're you're the brain, back? you're the brain of CYJ, and I'm the heart of CYJ. So it's, it's just a, we're battling back and forth. I, I'm I'm still sharing some of the heart though. Like this well, is very yeah. exciting. He, he's going to be good. I'm, I'm sharing none of the it. I'm sharing none of the brain, but but you can have some of the heart too. But like, look, here's the point we made. Uh, you know, in the, the lead up to the draft, we were talking about how the, the first 10 picks of the second round, a lot of times you look at those picks and there's some damn good players there compared, compared to the, the end of the, the, the last 10 picks of the first round. A lot of times the first 10 picks of the second round are better than the last 10 picks of the first. Right. Uh, look at the first 10 picks of this draft. I'm telling you, Brees Hall just stands out to me as one of those guys. It's like, all right, he fell because people don't really value running back, but he's the best player in those top 10 picks. I mean, just look at the top 10. Brees Hall is the best player there. And, uh, you know, I, I like Christian Watson and Green Bay with with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers. And obviously we like Petrie and I like Boye Mafe. But Brees Hall stands out to me. I think this is going to be a damn good player, Michael. And I know you do too. I know you do too. And you're fighting the positional value. But for me, it's like we already had three picks in the first round. Like, go ahead and take right, the, the, right. the fun the fun pick. But uh, that'll do for us. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll be talking about what happened uh, on day three. Uh, we'll recap the draft as a whole, and then I, we'll, we'll do a mailbag. That probably won't come out till Monday, but um, but our, 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 our the podcast that will come out tomorrow will be recapping, um, you know, day three of the draft and, and whatnot, the drafts as a whole, given our draft grades and, and whatnot. Um, so thank you for listening. You can follow us at TYJ Pod on Twitter, myself at Ben W. Blessington, Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Go to JetsXFactor.com for the best place to go for Jets content. Everybody have a great, uh, what is it, Friday now? Or is it, no, it's Saturday. Have a great weekend. Uh, enjoy day three of the draft. Uh, we will judge these picks solely on whether or not we know or heard of these players before. Exactly. Um, that, that is the sole grading process now for day three of the draft. Everybody enjoy your weekend and just be thankful that Joe Douglas is the GM of the New York Jets.